So tomorrow when you go to Chipotle and and they go, hey, that's guac's gonna be extra. Do you say you sure you nope. want it? You say actually, no. I have to go buy. Crash I'm gonna land. go buy. Crash land. <laughs> Hold the guac. <laughs> Scotch. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 79 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch shenanigans. Hey yo, I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I'm the Webernet Netternet. And Web. today is December 27th, <laughs> 2016. It is right smack in between the end of this year and Christmas time. That's right. And we have a warning before we go too deep, which is anything can happen on this show. There will be profanity, uh, but nice profanity. So, yeah. you know, but if, if you're just the upset by kind. profanity in general, then you should get out of here. Definitely. All right. So what's going on this week? Sam's out of town. Sam's gone. He's on, uh, he's on. He's cruising vacation, for a bruise. Yes. Yeah. He's on. He's Hopefully a, not too many bruises. Who knows? Uh, he's, he is on a cruise though. And those can get rough. That's true. You're going to bru- you bruise your insides. I feel like, <laughs> uh, from eating too much. I went on a cruise once and it was in 2005. And when you go on these things, it's like the food is included in your ticket. Yeah. And so that means you have to eat as much as possible because yeah, sunk because costs? you don't because you don't understand how sunk costs <laughs> work. And so you just walk up to any shop, any vendor, you know, whatever, and you'll be like, "Hey, can I have that cheesecake?" And they just hand it to you, and you're like, Thanks. "Bye." And you just leave. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And so I gained 15 pounds in five days. I ordered at one point. We we went to the there's like timed uh dining times or whatever yep and we went there and and i just ordered everything and i ate all (laughs) Uh, yeah it's hard to beat that just for sheer gluttony yeah yeah that was a that was a time in my life where i needed to gain 15 pounds that's true uh but i did it mission accomplished (laughs) so hopefully i mean sam we might not even recognize him when he gets back yeah he might be morbidly obese Yep, and actually, sure is doing the same thing. Yeah, he's also and they almost accidentally ended up on the same cruise just by weird coincidence. Yeah. Um. So and yeah, and then uh, we've just been having good family times and and chilling out. We're we're taking some time off from from working super hard. We're still working. We're still working because we we enjoy it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, and we also got some some crazy news. Oh, before that though, uh, we do have a. So we last episode we talked about trying to figure out why the hell everybody's listening to this <laughs> podcast, and we don't know. So we put up a survey over at. Um, you can get to it at podcast.bscotch.net. Yeah, there's a link up at the top. Um, and we've got a pretty good number, like fifty something responses so far. We um, four yeah forty some forty yeah. some responses. So. Uh, it's been interesting seeing what people have to say. Yeah. Um, it's enlightening. Yeah. We'd, we would love to know why you listen to this thing. And, and of course, if there are things that you like in particular about it or don't like or, in yeah, particular about yeah, it. Yeah, more importantly, if there's things you hate uh, that you wish we would stop doing. And it doesn't mean we will because probably somebody else loves that thing. But, you know, if, the vote, know. if the vote goes that way, it would be... It'd be really good to know. So yeah. if you go to, uh, you can go to the podcast page, podcast.bscotch.net, or you can go to bit.ly slash YCWB. YCWB. But the, the Y is Right. Which now in retrospect is confusing. So why Coffee with Butterscotch? And it is the case, like Adam was saying, that even if a whole bunch of votes go to one particular aspect of the podcast, you know, this podcast is run by an electoral college system. So we're just going to disregard We'll just do what we want. Uh, or maybe oh, we won't. Damn it. Who's even to say? Who's to say? 
Uh, we also got, so on Friday, it was a weird day, uh, we got a notification that Touch Arcade gave Crashlands their Game of the Year award yep. for 2016. Um, it was a bizarre moment, uh, given what we had to to do to make this game <laughs> and the shit that we had to sort of deal with wade through, I guess. Yep. Um, and, and even just the fact that there's just a, you know, th- there was three of us who made the game and, and seeing it, uh, you know, and also game Zebo gave it a uh, game of the year just, just, today. just today and seeing it, uh, there and then seeing something like supercells clash of clans at the n- or cl- clash spot. Royale <laughs> at the number two spot. Uh, it's real fucking weird. Yeah. It's very surreal. Um, But I mean, we're super appreciative of just the fact that people think about these things and that, um, that people took the time to give it a chance and actually Mm -hmm. buy it and play it to even reach the point where they could make that evaluation. Um, You know, it's, it's very humbling and, you know, we just want to say thank you to everybody who, supported us throughout this year yeah it's, it's been a hell of a ride and we hope something. to uh we hope to do even bigger cooler things well yeah because now the bar is set super high yeah because we have to do better than this we now have to do better than game of the year on touch arcade and game zebo now we have to make year. game of the years game of the years would be a good next step or we also next next year yeah we launch quadrupus rampage 2 mm-hmm. presumably we get game of the year on mobile from at least both of those sites again. Sure, yeah. But we also get Game of the Year on all of the other sites. Just every site. Exactly. Even, like, Forbes. Yeah, all of them. You know? Um, I actually saw the New, the New Yorker has a top 10. The New Yorker. Yeah, we'll get. Now, <laughs> uh, which is not the first thing you think of when you think of video games, but, you know, we're yeah. not on that one. Yeah. But next year, we will be on the top of the New Yorker also. Who knows? Um, but, yeah, it's also, it's also a weird thing because it's not something that we were going for. Just in the sense that we just want to make a really fucking good game. Yeah. Um, and it may even, it may be the case that and I think with Crashlands, we hit kind of a weird um, sort of a spot with it where we made it, I should say, streamlined and simple enough and accessible enough that, it, you know, doesn't have virtual controls, doesn't have all that stuff. That is clearly uh, very playable on mobile and everything and very accessible to people. And it just was able to hit a much wider audience. Um, but the games that we have a tendency to make are generally a lot more skill-based and um, action-y and whatnot. Yeah. So it's possible that, you know, the next couple of games we make are going to be more intense, um, more action-oriented, and just may not hit as big of, a, of an audience. So, you know, who knows whether or not there'll be game of the year material, uh, but <laughs> who knows? But on the other hand, though, even though Crashlands was well loved by the people who played it, it actually didn't hit that big of an audience yeah, as far as yeah. games go. And uh, and the ones that do tend to dominate are, in fact, those much more action oriented games, at least certainly on PC. On PC. Um, yeah. Yeah. On, 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 on mobile, mobile, it's. It's harder to say exactly because it's kind of a, the the genre. The genres actually don't overlap that much between mobile and desktop in terms of how the end, the, how the gameplay ends up feeling, right? Yeah. Because things tend to be simplified and really focused around a single or very small number of mechanics. But on PC and on uh, and on uh, consoles, games are just expanding and becoming. They're trying to consume every genre at once, right? So right. so they just keep <laughs> on adding complexity. Where on mobile, everything's getting streamlined, and so they're. There isn't even really a good direct comparison between those, actually. Yeah, but what, I, what I'm excited about in Quadrupus 2 that we're starting to play around with is, um, is, is a question that kept coming up in Crashlands all the time was people were like, what's the difference between the PC and the mobile version? Right. Um, 
And our answer was always, well, there isn't, right? I mean, you can basically, you can play it at a much higher resolution because you'll be able to run it better. Yep. Um, we have, there's some extra shader effects that you can use, but gameplay wise, it's the same, but it's looking more and more like with Quadrupus 2 because of the same screen multiplayer with controllers and stuff. Um, it's just going to be a very different animal. Like it'll still, it'll still have the core of the game the same where you can do the single player campaign and all that stuff, but being able to plug controllers in and play with people I think it's just going to change a lot of things yeah. about how we build the game and stuff. So, uh, and the cool thing that we're hoping to do still, and again, like all this stuff about Quadrupus 2, we have no, we have no idea Anything where it's going. Uh, so it may even not even ever happen. Yeah. Uh, so just <laughs> always bear that in mind when we're this early in the development process. Um, but you know, we're still, we're still planning on doing the B sketch ID stuff and mm -hmm. save syncing and whatnot. So our hope is to come up with a, um, a system where you can log in to somebody else's computer with your B sketch ID and bring your character into their game and still play on the same screen. Um, and do that kind of stuff. So that's technology that we have not even started touching yet. Nope. And so who, who the fuck knows what's going to happen? <laughs> it would probably require, oh, it's definitely going to require a complete overhaul of how B-Sketch ID works Just in total, the game. Total overall. Uh, but as I've been learning in recent weeks, um, there are much better ways that B-Sketch ID on the website could have been put together. Yeah. Uh, which, of course, I knew that the whole time, but I didn't actually know what those better ways were because I was learning game or learning web development while building the thing. And now I've been learning some new tech and, and really diving deep into how deployment looks and how testing works and like how to, how to actually set up a website. How to properly. be a real, a real program. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and now looking back, I'm just, it's amazing that this thing works at all. <laughs> frankly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Um, but it does still, uh, but I, it is probably gonna be the case that we have to do a pretty large scale scale overhaul of Sketch ID and how it works so that we can do cool stuff like have two people log into their accounts on the same game on the same machine. Yeah. Yeah. And the other, the other thing that we're, so, I mean, we're, we're learning all the time and coming up with new uh, ways of doing things and new techniques and also trying to take a look at what other studios have done and figure out how can we you right. know, leverage those ideas. So one of the other things that we're looking at is uh, the Crashlands creator, which we still have not published to nope. for player use yet. Um, <laughs> for a number of reasons, but it's still in progress. Uh, yeah. Well, the actually it's really just one reason really. Well, two reasons. One is it's not ready yet, but yeah, the reason it's not ready yet is the main reason, which is just everything else that's happening has higher priority. Yeah. Like that's, <laughs> It's, yeah. Cause we don't know what the, we don't know what the creator is going to do. And it's also going to add a lot of maintenance and, and overhead for us to uh, moderate it and all that. Yeah. The thing that we know for sure is it's going to create work for us. Um, and with even questionable. It, yeah. The thing we don't know is what the, what the benefit is going to be, if any. And so that, that kind of always keeps it forced down the priority queue uh, because we need to focus on the things that we know are actually going to work. Um, yeah. Which and, something uh, like launching Quadrupus 2 would be one Would of definitely things. work. And, and so, so yeah, so the, the, so the creator is kind of, it's a, it's an indefinite back burner state, which just basically means anytime I clear something else off of my plate, I go work on it for a little while and then like something else comes up. It's yeah, <laughs> the, the best case is whole year has been a two week straight yeah. stint. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's some it's things, nuts. there's some things, um, but, but because of the, so we developed almost all of Crashlands and then started work on the creator. Right. Uh, and the creator allowed us to put so much content into the game that, you know, looking back, it's obvious, but uh, in the future, we're going to plan on making a tool like that in tandem with the game. So instead of making the tool afterwards for adding content to the game, 
uh, plan on making that tool early and then use it to inform decisions about how the game is going to be put together and stuff. Because if you look at something like Starcraft, uh, or the Warcraft games or whatever they, mm-hmm. you know, Blizzard is, is famous for having these really flexible and powerful map editors. Yeah. And, and they even have scripting events and stuff. So you can, yeah, trigger... you can basically program things to yeah. happen. And there, and people like Dota, uh, right. was a game that was made inside the map editor. Right. So, I mean, League of Legends came out of a map editor, basically. <laughs> right. Um, and it's so, so in thinking about that, you know, it, it's obvious that those tools are not actually there for the players. Those tools were the tools that Blizzard developed so that they could put the game together. Right. So they could and, make the campaign. Well, and, and a lot of it is a separation between the people who know the absolute fundamental details of how the game works, which are the programmers, or yep. actually most on a big team, any given programmer actually doesn't know how the whole thing works. They know how the piece that they wrote works, right? And so you need to be able to abstract out the generation of content. So once you decide how the game works and what the rules are, you want to make sure that somebody else, ideally your artists and your game designers, since those tend to be separate roles on bigger teams, you want those people to be able to come in and just add stuff and start to build the game while you're sort of in the background, while your programmers are basically making the engine. Yeah. And and we need to do that even though for us, those are all the same people, right? But yeah. But even still, that separation of of uh, of knowledge is actually essential because you don't want to have to build the entire mental model of how the game works to go in and add a new character to it. Exactly. So that's we're keeping an eye on this now and t- trying to make our systems more flexible and more mm-hmm. robust, and then developing better tools for us to add content to the game, um, so that we should be able to spend a lot less time making a game, but get way more stuff in it, right. which is just better for everybody. Yeah, and it's basically putting putting a lot of the effort on the front end of the of the development pipeline instead yeah. of on the back end yeah. of, of not having to then just spend, like what we did with Crashlands, we basically spent the whole front end slowly working up how the engine would work, and the last few months we're just pumping it full of content Right. Um, using the tools that we made. Um, and it probably would have been better to go the other way around. Right? Pro- well, maybe. I don't know. Who's to say? We, we, we maybe it didn't know enough. It came yeah. out fine. But, um, <laughs> there was some other shit going on at the time. That we there was. That. <laughs> yeah. uh, also, we have um, Crashlands is currently on sale on Steam uh, for $9.99, I believe. It's true. So it's part the cheapest of, it's been on mobile. I mean, on sorry, PC. on PC. And, and Mac. <laughs> um, uh, and it's also on sale on GOG. I is it believe. still? I have no I idea. I think, or it was. I don't know. In any case, check it out. Maybe Everybody it is. has their holiday sales at a different time. It's all, it's all different. Um, and we're also, we have some big news, which is we're about to uh, have Crashlands have its first ever mobile sale. Yep. Uh, starting on the 28th, which I believe is the day that we're publishing this podcast. Should be. So if you hear this podcast and you haven't gotten Crashlands yet, you can go get it now. It'll be, It'll be significantly cheaper than So normal. cheap, it's basically free, even though it's already so cheap. It's, it's already five free. bucks on mobile, um, yep. but this sale will push it down substantially further yeah, than that. Yeah, it's going to go from the cheap sandwich price range down to... A pickle for your sandwich. A pickle for your sandwich. Or yeah. actually, maybe guacamole. Pickle range. Yep, yep. This is the cost of adding guac so tomorrow, to when you go to Chipotle and and they go, hey, that's guac's gonna be extra. Do you say you sure you nope. want it? You say actually, no. I have to go buy. I'm gonna lands. go buy. <laughs> Hold the guac. <laughs> all right. Uh, so that that's all happening, and that's pretty much all we got. Uh, but otherwise, it's just been an incredible year. Um, and we just wanna we just wanna thank everybody for being here for this ride. Yeah. It's been super cool. Yeah, and, thanks uh, a lot. I mean, the year itself was shitty in basically every other way. A lot be. of other things were shitty. Yeah, but, but Crashlands—that's always well. the case. <laughs> that is, 
That is always the case. The world is a, is full of shit. Um, but sometimes you just got to power through it and yeah. try to make awesome things. Just so. wade, wade through it. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's get to some questions. These questions come from podcast.bscotch.net. That's if true. You wanna, if you want to ask, uh, just head over there and sign in with your Bscotch ID. You can also ask anonymously, but why would you do that? We yeah, wanna, you really should. We want to talk to you, you know? So, all right. So let's get started. First question comes from not a hacker, which I'm dubious. <laughs> I feel like if you have to say it. Yeah, it's questionable probably questionable we should maybe check his we should probably look into that we should probably look yeah um banned all right so not a hacker (laughs) says how does one get good at crashlands how does one get good at crashlands uh if you want to get if you want to get good <laughs> and i assume crashlands. not by hacking not by hacking well this is not a hacker so i mean yeah, that's right. it's implied yeah and, and i guess and so maybe they understand unlike many hackers mm-hmm that being good at something is not the same as cheating as cheating so that you appear to be good. Right. So this I is think probably, probably asking about actually just actually doing the game. <laughs> How does one get good at Crashlands? Okay. Uh, so what's, so basically what's some pro pro strats. Pro if you, you want to like hit MLG 360, no scope Crashlands. Yeah. I get those razor sponsorships. Yeah. Uh, specifically Harry's razors. Right. Then what do you do? Yeah, I think the the first thing you need to do is probably read the fucking story. Read the manual. <laughs> oh, yeah, read the story, the story. too. Uh, oh, there's also a manual. That's true. We did. We published a Crashlands manual, which does have just pro strats. It's got pro strats everywhere. Uh, and also, you know, some lore, tips and tricks. It's, it's a good It's a good thing. Um, but yeah, the, the main problem everybody has who plays the game is their refusal to pay attention to the quests and the text therein. Because as we've talked about on this podcast before, we made the decision not to just give you a checklist. There's no quest tracker that says like, right. collect 10 things, zero yeah. out of 10. We just didn't want to do that because we wanted to tell you a story that you participate in, uh, not give you shopping lists. So, yeah. uh, So as a consequence, because especially people just become so used to just being told, go do this, 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 and this, and they go do it. They have a check checklist and it's, it's obvious what is happening when they're done, even though they don't know why they did it. Then when they play crash lands, they are first confused and then angry. They go, cause they're like, what's going on with these words? (laughs) Right. I don't want to read by all these words. What is this? A book? Yep. And if you, if you go through the, the first week in particular after launch was, frustrating as our uh, lovely moderators will attest um because <laughs> because at that time when the, when the game first came out of course there was no information on the web about problem solving people had done to try to figure out how to do stuff how to complete quests how to kill things whatever and so there were there were just question after question after question that all had the same answer which was go back go and back, read that quest read that just quest. read it it says and it'll be fine it, it tells right you exactly <laughs> what to do yeah. and it, there were a few in particular that are uh that are particularly uh, notorious. Um, and, and even, even people we know who, who we've joked about this specific thing with before, they'll come to us then weeks in later person. in person after playing crashes and be like, yeah, actually I think I'm, I'm pretty sure this I know you guys said this isn't a bug. Broken. I'm pretty sure I found a real bug here. And we're like, go back, just go read it. <laughs> go read <laughs> the quest. And sure enough, they just missed something. Uh, Some, so, well, sometimes it'll be something tip. like the quest will say, you know, kill this creature and then put a sign down. Right. And, 
they'll they'll excitedly be reading the quest. They'll read "kill this creature" and then close the quest and not read the last yep. four words of this. Yep. Or, the, or they do, but they get so focused on killing the creature and maybe maybe they die a few times and it takes. 20 and then they minutes, forget you know? about the sign. For, yeah, and then they just assume that now that they've killed this, it's the only thing they had in their mind. So there actually are some quests that, even though it was clearly stated what you were supposed to do uh, in the the summer patch, the quality of life patch, we went through a whole bunch of these quests that again. Told you exactly what to do, but we were just getting so tired of answering the same questions. Over we just we just and removed over, some of the objectives. Yeah, we just removed the objectives that people didn't like want to see, right? That they, that they just somehow couldn't couldn't notice in there. Uh, and that was really we we felt like it was better to have more stuff in there because it was it's just more interesting and encourages people to read read it and all of that. But on the other hand, we also have shit to do. Yeah, yeah, it makes it makes a lot of work for us. So. Uh, but that is a thing you can do to get good is read. <laughs> is read. Just read stuff. Yeah. Um, also, you you can tap things once or click, depending on your control method. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not a actions per minute, you know, pro, gra- pro gamer kind of game. Yep. Uh, you can, so for example, you click on a tree one time, Flux will run over there and start whacking that tree. You don't have to, uh, you don't have to click it 463 times. Nope. You get the same results. And also pick up everything. There's no inventory. It's all infinite, mm-hmm. right? So you can just stuff your pockets. Which is full also of why picking up things is automatic. Yeah, for basically the same reason that the same trouble with people not reading. They've been basically trained that you have a limited inventory. Only pick up the things that you need for exactly what you want to do right now. And so we found people, even though they have an infinite inventory, would just leave shit everywhere and never pick it up. So we made it so every time you broke apart a tree or something, it would suck up all the components. Yep. Which turns out to also be nicer because it's. A pain in the ass and dumb to have to go pick yeah, up. Why everything. would you have to click everything? <laughs> but yeah. so, so that was a sort of a side bonus of of having streamlined that. Um, but yeah, I guess I think pro gamer tip for tips. every game just do just pay attention, just pay attention, and do just try to do better. And just yeah. yeah, just do just, just do pay attention to what the game is doing and what it asks you to do, and just do those things. Yeah, just and do them super good. Right. Uh, all right. Next question comes from Kevin eight eight eight. Are video games a total waste of time? Whose time? That's a great question. He did not specify just a, just a general total waste <laughs> of time. Uh, I don't think so. I think, here's what I think. Here's I think video games serve a very particular purpose, um, which is that games provide for people an opportunity to accomplish things. Right. Uh, where... So if you think about, so a while back, I was in a, a raid in Guild in World of Warcraft. And when I say a while back, I mean like 10 years ago. Yeah, sometime ago. Um, and we were stuck on this one particular boss for six weeks. And there's 25, it was a 25 person raid guild. And every two days a week, actually three days a week, we'd go in there and for three hours, we would fight this boss Yep, and just get the shit kicked out of us. And in the off nights, we were all very determined. In the off nights, we would do everything we could to go and try to make our characters better and we were reading strategies and working on our gear. And then we'd come back a couple of days later and try it again and get our asses kicked. And we just did this over and over and over again. And the moment that we took that boss down, it was just an explosion of screaming <laughs> on voice chat. Followed by all of us just being like, we're never fucking doing this again. <laughs> so we, we it's, and I think about, when I, when I talk, it's like people run marathons, people do, people climb Mount Everest, you know, people do all kinds of things that take weeks and weeks and months and years of, of practice and trying and trying. Um, and I think it stands to reason that, uh, accomplishment is an accomplishment, right? Yeah. I mean, anything, anything you bust your ass toward 
and finally achieve that very few people can do is something that uh, people need in their lives. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think the real world does a shitty job of providing those opportunities. Yeah. Um, Like if you want to, if you want to, lose weight or something. Um, there are so many variables that go into what that means and how that happens that you can work super hard toward it. But if you missed something, uh, or if you, you know, slid or if you took like a week off or whatever, um, maybe you, you started your pledge during the holidays when everybody's throwing Turkey stuffing in your face or whatever, Mm -hmm. right? There's all kinds of things that happen, uh, to derail that. And there's no good feedback on what the the consequences of your actions are. The feedback loop is very long term. Yeah. Um, and so I think, I think having the ability to step into a place where the rules are clear and where your actions have very understandable consequences, I think is very helpful for people. I think it's, it's why people seek out games as an escape, um, or just as a, as a nice pastime is because you get to do those things where in the real world, it's just, it's much more fuzzy and gray and complicated and it's hard to own your accomplishments. And so, yeah. That's what I think. But it doesn't even have to be about enormous accomplishments because most people, at least from what I can tell, who are are playing games, including myself, uh, don't actually seek out these really epic long-term challenges in a game game context. But even even the small ones matter. Yeah. I mean, like like building a rocket in Kerbal Space Program and having it like wobble crazily on its way up, but still somehow get to orbit. You're like, fuck yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Or getting your Kerbal stranded in orbit because you ran out of fuel. And then you're like, how do I get that? Another one to get him back down. How do I get that Kerbal back down? Like you're creating your own problems even, but they're, they're understandable problems. They're concrete. That you can try and try and try. And yeah, like you'll probably blow up and kill like 40 Kerbals on the way to rescuing that one that's stranded in orbit. But still, when you rescue that, and you'll, but you'll know why each time, yeah. right? So you can do better each time. Yeah, that's what that's what games provide. That I think, um, I think it matters to people. I think people need that. Yeah. So I mean, that's why, like, that's why we have sports. You know, that's why we yeah. have just games in general. Is we need those clear, clear goals that we can hit. Yeah. So um, yeah. So I think no, I don't. I don't think games are waste. <laughs> Although it is. I guess it's interesting when you bring that to sports or esports, right? Uh, because now you're not even the one in either of those scenarios. You're not the one getting that achievement, right? Yeah, but there's a reason why people say we when they're talking about their yeah, yeah. sports team, right? It's because something about- they are somehow actually- Yeah, something about watch about people take ownership of things they put a lot of time into, right? right? And if you grow up watching like every Cardinals game, then- that's like, that's you. That's you're part of that team somehow. Right. And when they, when they score a run, you f- like, you feel like you helped. Right. You know? Well, actually, I guess it even goes further than that, doesn't it? Because a lot of people establish traditions and superstitions around those events where they'll like wear a certain thing because they, they, that they, one time they wore the, right. those underpants. Right, their team just crushed the other team. Yeah, so it's actually they feel like they do have an influence. So it's, they it's got not, their, yeah. yeah, magic pants. It's kind of like those pigeons that started learning how to do elaborate dances in that experiment. Did you hear about this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. At one, there was an experiment to see how pigeons would respond to random stimuli. And it was, what was it? It was like they would give them a food pellet, but it was on a random timer, and the pigeons would yeah. try to figure out what their actions how their actions related to the dispensing of the food pellet yep and so over time they would just develop these elaborate rituals that they would start going through in sequence <laughs> to try to make the food pellet come out. i yeah. mean you know people are are pattern recognizing machines as are all you know? animals yeah. 
Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that's, that's but the, part of it. the beauty of that though is, uh, is once, once you've established the superstition, right? So if you're, if you're the pigeon, you did a little, like you hopped on one foot and then a pellet came out. Right. And you're like, and okay. you're like Ooh, so you, now you established I get it now. So, so now you, you start hopping on one foot in hopes that a pellet will come out. And you do and that enough. Every once in a while it will, but okay. it's, it's random. <laughs> right. And, and you'll tend uh, to not, you'll tend to not remember the 40 times you hopped. Yeah, you have confirmation, you have confirmation bias. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and we see this with, with every, you know, with every people wear a lucky shirt when they go take a test, Yep, you know, whatever. Um, but again, I mean, I think, I think that speaks to how in the real world connection between your actions and what actually happens in the world is very loose and hard to discern sometimes. Yeah. Um, so we come up with all these crazy well, ways because game, like depending on the, the game and how much of it is random so take, take things like, uh, uh, bonding of Isaac. Right, yeah. which has enormous amounts of random random components, uh, or I mean, frankly, anything. Right, and we and we've actually even seen this for Crashlands, where people see something happen and then they assume then, because again, they saw the pattern, yeah. right, that there's a deep connection there. They start trying to infer stuff off of it, and so when you see people exploring a game mechanic or trying to understand the fundamentals of of how do I get like the best loot and that sort of thing, for a long time, it's just people moving through superstition space, right, and yep. and you'll find people just like at each other's throats because they disagree on the mechanism by which something happens. Even they're though both probably wrong. They're both wrong, probably. Yeah. Uh, well, this, this reminds me, there was somebody made a creature guide in um, the Crashlands forums. Oh, right. And they were talking about the Wampet attack. Yeah. And they said they figured it out. Right. Which is they said that the Wampet always does three normal attacks and then a double attack. Right. And uh, sometimes when you encounter the Wampet, it will have sort of rolled the dice and landed in a different starting point in its attack pattern. It's like maybe the first time you attack it, it'll do a double attack, Mm -hmm. but then it'll do three regulars and then another double or whatever. Right. Sometimes it'll do two regulars and then a double attack. The problem is most fights with Wampets don't last more than a couple attacks. Yeah. Which is why you would see, you'd only see a handful of attacks that you You'd always think you started some of the right. unless you saw two double attacks back to back. Right. Which does happen because yes. it's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally random. Uh, it's I think it's about Wampus have something like a th- like a one in three chance or one in four chance. Is it to also do a random attack. for uh creatures that have a short range attack? Is that based on where your position is relative to them? It's like a Zug, for example. If it's you're next random. to a Zug, that's also random, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well well they'll they will they will do they'll randomly choose their attack. Right. And then they will close the gap based on what their attack is. So if they choose a melee that close range attack, then they'll run up to you and try to use it. Okay. Um but again, selection of the attack is totally random. Yeah, well it's, so. it's one of the interesting things because even though because I even know that it's completely random, or at least believe that it was, because I was told that at some point. Yeah. But when I'm fighting like a Zug, right? I'm always like, okay, I need to stay away from it because if I get too close, it'll use a short range yeah. attack. Right? And it, it, has, it doesn't care. It doesn't care at all. Uh, yeah. yeah, this way, like you were sitting in the room when it was programmed and still. Right. You get so, that so it's not even actually that the game world is a cleaner, more understandable space. It's that the things that are happening are stripped down and much simpler so that even though you're still making up superstitions about how the system works, you get to do so with way more confidence, right? Because you get a lot more information. There's a lot more information and you can actually even experiment with it and test it. And if you really care about testing your superstitions, then you actually can yeah. in that environment. Yeah. Which you really fight, can't do. Fight most 50 time zugs and yeah, exactly. record your fight. <laughs> yep. And we, and we saw this actually, we saw people trying to, it was really, it's really fun to watch people do this. We, we saw a bunch of people on, on our subreddit, um, 
r slash crashlands, put together a, this is quite a while ago, I guess, but put together a spreadsheet trying to figure out what the randomization was for weapon stats. Yeah. So there were a group of like five or six people and they would just re-roll and re-roll and recraft and re-roll for all the weapon types and try to figure out just what kept the connection was. kept compiling all their info. Yeah, they were trying yeah. to figure out what the connection was between what the quality level of the item was and what its stats would be and, and all that. And they were actually starting to put it together. And it was just really cool to watch that. It was like, here are people collecting data about this fictional world right. in the same way that scientists do. <laughs> They're doing experiments. In the real world, only, yeah, only the, the feedback loop on that is way, way tighter. Yep. Which is very cool. But yeah, but then those people get that same sense of accomplishment by unraveling how the thing works as somebody else, as a scientist would get about unraveling how the universe works. Yeah. Right. It's all the same. Games are basically science. They're basically, so, well, they are actually. Yeah. You run in, you, you hit a pit of spikes, you die, you're like, okay, let me write that down. Yeah, I shouldn't hitting, do that again. Hitting spikes probably causes death. <laughs> we'll need more testing. Which is also why having these really handholdy tutorials that people complain about. I hate them. People, yeah. They, <laughs> well, that's why people hate them, That's right? why people hate people them. People want to try things. Yeah, they want to they get the satisfaction of, like, of learning how something works. Uh, and, and it's that finding that balance between making sure people can get started, right, and be able to figure stuff out because it isn't too opaque and, and then telling them too much. Yeah, which is kind of an interesting challenge because when you when you just tell people how stuff works, you take that opportunity away from them to to self discover and be proud of themselves for having discovered or realized something. Right. Yeah. All right. Next question comes from Ar- Arcarnix. How difficult was it to balance Juice Mancy throughout Crashlands, and how long did it take? Mm. I have no answer to this because I was not involved. Okay, I'll, I'll keep this somewhat brief. Um, so I love game balance because I'm I'm very well convinced that a game that isn't fun is just a game that hasn't been balanced well. And I actually gave a talk about this, but the audio was garbage. And so yeah. uh it, so you can find it on YouTube, but you probably won't be able to understand my voice. You have to crank up the volume and then and then somehow you'll just be deaf and you can't <laughs> uh, understand it. So yeah. uh as far as balancing juice, the juice mancy stuff, uh, I like to use what I can refer to as, as cascading balance variables, which is basically I create a single uh, sort of balance dashboard for the game where all of the core foundational most important numbers are. Like, for example, uh, how much HP does a thing have at level one or whatever? Um, and then how much does that go up by every level? Uh, and then everything else in the game is inferred based off of that. So uh, when it comes to the juice, the juice mancy stuff, it was basically a question of what's the cost of using juice to mm-hmm. re-roll a weapon, to do that stuff. Uh, but here's the cool thing. It doesn't matter how much it costs. What matters is how much it costs relative to how fast you're getting juice. That's the, that's the connection to establish, mm-hmm. right? So uh, it basically just amounted to plugging in some numbers and so right now I think juice has something like a 4% drop rate off of just everything. And then just kind of playing with that and seeing how long does it take me to get 10 juice? Does that seem like a pretty reasonable amount of time to right. ha- be able to re-roll a thing? And then also you can, you can reverse engineer that, you know, if you have a 4% drop rate, how long will it take you or how many things will you have to destroy to get 10 juice, mm-hmm. you know, 200 something, whatever. Um, and then to add in the little, the little, uh, uh, what do you call it? Juice crystal clusters, which you can break apart to get a little extra burst of yep. juice. And, and put so signs on to go yeah. harvest over time. And so usually what I will do when it comes to balance is I will balance the game around the sort of constant stream of things. So for example, the regular juice drops and ignore the spiky surprises 
like the juice crystal clusters, because if I took those clusters into account as part of it, um, then they would become sort of required. Yeah, they're, they're right? now essential <laughs> instead, of, yeah. instead of bonuses. Yeah, so so the game is always built around just the foundational, or the balance is built around the foundational components, and then the bonuses are not taken into consideration. That way they actually are bonuses. Um, so yeah, I think the, the balance was pretty straightforward. It maybe just took a couple hours, so. Yeah. Yeah. But again, that's only because I've done this so goddamn many times. That, <laughs> also, that the, the juice mancy part of the patch was the least time. Most of it was the controllers. Yeah. yeah. I mean, how, how many hours went into the juice mancy system? The system itself only took maybe like six or seven hours. The most time came with the UI, uh, and the stuff. UI work yeah. of building the juice forge and putting that together and putting together the animation of having the stats explode and all that stuff. Um, that took a while. But no, yeah, it was, it was pretty yep. straightforward. So, all right, next question comes from Pixel Tech. Hey! <laughs> That's what it starts with. Hey, I'm nice. fairly new to you guys' games, and I love them so much. I don't Thanks. know. I don't know if you've answered this before, but will you ever make Crashlands for Linux? Thank you guys so much for the joy you bring us fans. Perksel Turbs. I don't know what Perksel Turbs <laughs> Maybe it's some kind of a it's, pen name. Yeah, it's signed Perksel Turbs, but it's from Pixel Tech. Right, so I'm, perhaps some kind of nom de plume. Yeah, I'm not sure how to feel about that. Uh, Will we ever make a Crashlands for Linux? So I have What's actually happening? made a build for Ubuntu. Did it work? It did, but I was doing it on a virtualized Ubuntu machine on my actual laptop. And uh, and so it was laggy as fuck because, of course, the virtual machine has limited access to resources. Uh, and it just so happens that I don't, even though I have like five old laptops at home now that I've accrued over my life, um, none of them are have sufficient specs to install modern Ubuntu, <laughs> uh, nor have like anything like a decent, even, you know, built-in graphics card. Like, no, they just have garbage hardware. I ran into this problem as well. I had an old, uh, an Asus EPC from oh, yeah, 2008 <laughs> or something. Probably, yeah. And I realized as I was, I was trying to put Ubuntu on it and I realized that its specs were like a third of my phone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Actually, like, oh, this yeah, is not going to work. That's yeah, true. It's not going to work. Yeah, my old laptops are, are worse than my phone now. Yeah. So, so we don't, we just don't have just kind of a spare machine sitting around to do it with. And, and the deal is uh, that. But if we did, would we? Well, that's the question, right? Is, is I personally, like I love Linux because uh, I, you know, I'm a web dev, which means you're either on Linux or you're kind of a nut because why would you spend that money on any other system um, if you're making web tools? Uh, but yeah, so I like, I love Linux. I spent a lot of my learning of how computers work and how to program all that kind of stuff was done in the context of Linux. And so, so I like it a lot, even, even outside of the whole, like, open source is awesome and all that kind of stuff, which right. I used to buy into and now I don't really give a shit about, uh, <laughs> but, but some uh, people are very gung ho about some it. Some people are. And, and, and I mean, and I know why, like I get it. Right. It's a cool um, idea. It's a cool idea. Uh, so, so yeah, I think Linux is a very amazing platform and frankly, I would, I would be happy to have the game available on Linux. It's a question just like it always is of, of, uh, Cost benefit. Cost, it's cost benefit analysis, right? Um, we, and a lot of this is just completely unknown in a similar sense that the Crashlands crater has a bunch of known costs, a completely unknown benefit and a bunch of unknown costs, right? And so that's why it's constantly in the back burner because I absolutely want to get it out and we'll keep working on it. Um, but we don't know what the consequences are going to be and if it's worth the actual time. And it's the same deal with a, with a Linux port because um, Linux port is actually because we're using game maker, a Linux port itself is 
trivially easy to make. Like we just change a drop down, get a virtual machine running and build to it, right? It's it, not about making it. it though. It's not about making it. It's about what happens when it doesn't work, right? And we're already facing this on Mac, which is much better supported both with our engine and just the number of people using the, the platform, right? Uh, on Mac, our builds are a little wonky always. They don't, yeah, they don't respect full screen. Yeah, there's some, there's all kinds of weird, there's just some weird, weird stuff. And, and we did, we, and we didn't know what to expect when we did that either. We just knew that that was a sizable fraction of market, meaning a few, a few percent, a few Steam, percent. Right? But they do make up uh, about 10% of our purchases. Right. Cause they have fewer games available to them. That's the idea, so. right? We, who knows? But the, yeah. but the idea is that because Mac users just have fewer games that they can play, then then basically the competition then for any Mac given users game, is smaller. Yeah, any yeah, given it, game, it's more downloads. Better. So yeah. so it's actually it's a sizable fraction of our of our Steam uh, player base is on that. But Linux is is a is a now a much smaller subset of that. Similarly, it's the same problem though. We don't know actually how many of them because they're even more limited actually in what games are available to them. Uh, they might again, provide a substantial fraction of, of new users, but we don't know. And because we don't even, we don't even have in-house a Linux machine, though we know it's easy to make one if you have a spare piece of hardware, um, where we can sit down and spend a bunch of time testing. And we don't want to sit down and spend a bunch of time <laughs> testing. We uh, got to make, we got to make more games. We have to make more stuff. And so, so this all this is just all to say, I personally would love to see uh, Crashlands on Ubuntu. Um, but unlike Mac, which at, at minimum, even though there's some, some trouble there, it's a very standardized platform because it's tightly controlled by a monopoly, right? So, so like, you know what to expect. Yeah. Uh, and the amount of variability isn't that high. When it comes to Linux, though, somebody could be running fucking anything, anything in the universe. Well, and of course, Linux users are notorious for digging into things. Yeah, and, for trying to run on anything. And we like, see this yeah. on Android sometimes. Someone would be like, oh, yeah, I'm running like a modified Android kernel with all these different ROMs and stuff and blah. And like, the game is crashing. And we're like, well, yeah, we're like, I mean, yeah, yeah. We, we can't help <laughs> you with that. And the uh, Linux, you'd have a similar problem. Well, actually, it would be much more sizable because I think the fraction of Linux users who are like getting into the tinkering, guts of it, yeah, versus the fraction of Android users who yeah, are tinkering is, is going to be very different. And, and on the, in a lot of ways, that's a great thing because that means that Linux users are really good at solving their own problems. Yes. But they need to be because they're making a lot of their own problems, <laughs> right? And, and we know we're going to get caught in that crossfire somehow right? where people are going to expect us because we've made it available for Linux. They're going to expect us to solve their problems for them. And can this we, is, that's know. exactly it is, is I don't, is no, we can't like we, none yeah. of us are like, I use Linux constantly, but as superficially as possible. Right. And, and none of us have time to be experts in the platform because we're too busy trying to build stuff. And so that means we won't be able to solve a lot of these problems. And this is, this is one of those many, many why we can't have nice things problems, right? Is we can't just make it and make sure that it works on like a few machines, right? And then put it out and say, hey, right? Yeah. Now it's on you. Good luck, right? Well, we know the problem on, on Windows. Somebody would say, hey, I have five monitors put together and I, yeah. I'm wondering why your game doesn't support 18 by one aspect. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I want it to spread across yeah. all five of my monitors. Right. And, <laughs> and then somehow that's our fault, like, right? How about no? Yeah. How about it just doesn't do that? <laughs> exactly. That's exactly it. Or actually, I think, it's, I think it's because it tried to or something because it wasn't, I don't know. It was anyway. trying to and it turned into a weird, like a, a weird little thin slice in the middle of the screen. Because oh, it was respecting the aspect ratio of their entire yeah, setup. Yeah, but it was only on one screen. But it was only on one screen, yeah. <laughs> so it just kind of like turned into a little line. Oh, shit. Um, yeah, so... So people do weird stuff and expect us to somehow be responsible for that. 
Well, well, there's also the added. Uh, this this is why we're always hesitant to do stuff like controller support or whatever. Yep. And uh, and even on with WASD support, which I thought uh, like we did it, and I was like, cool, it's done, right? Mm-hmm. Because every game uh, I've played this top down like that is like you WASD controls, and then you click to interact with things or whatever. And uh, sure enough, we got a, a, a somewhat irate individual in our Steam forums who was mad not about the WASD support, but that but that it didn't go far enough. And that they wanted to have several other buttons next to their left hand that they could use to interact with things because they don't want to have to use both hands to play the game. And so we get, we spent all this time implementing WSD support, and what we gained was an angry customer <laughs> where we didn't quite hit it right to their specs, you know? Yeah. Um, so well, and, and this is uh, why yeah. this is why most sensible businesses build stuff that will satisfy most people. most people right because you can't please everyone because we know we can't please everybody and in fact it's not worth trying in a lot of ways because because yeah. best case scenario you get a few more happy people but you've now created new problems for yourself and and we because by introducing things like controller support the new problem we have is now we are responsible for support tickets when someone's controller doesn't work with the game right yep which has already happened a bunch of times. Yeah. So far though, every time it's been on their end, thankfully. Yeah. So, well, but, but that's part of the frustration, right? Is yeah. that people create problems for themselves. And by, by us providing more and more ways for them to interact with the stuff we make, whether it's on new platforms, whether it's with new just devices, more, just more room for more problems. It's more room for more problems that they've created that somehow now we're responsible for. Right. And so a lot of it, and this is actually a lot of the reason why we are trying to avoid being on every platform in the universe in terms of every sales platform, because, and, and we're, we're sticking with the ones that are the most prevalent because when people have problems there, they're the same problems. Everybody's having exactly the same problems. Like if steam suddenly isn't working on their device and they can't talk to the server or whatever, then every steam user, that's true for everybody. We can go fix it once and it's done. Uh, Or, or valve will fix it. Or valve will fix it. (laughs) Depending on what the problem is more likely valve. Yeah. All right. So next question comes from flame it Kermit. Question is, Bedti the Yeti, are you happy that all the disabled Yetis go to the poverty end of society because they can't flip for Yeti interest? Are you happy? This is a very astute. This is a this is a question. problem. Um, so, just for those who are unfamiliar with the Yeti society, uh, Yeti bankers only provide interest on earnings for the Yetis who have produced a prodigious number of excellent backflips. Right. Um, and the more backflips you do, the more interest you will earn the next time you visit the Yeti bank. So I guess, I guess there's kind of, you know, th- this is potentially a big problem in Yeti society, but there's kind of an added layer of complication, which is no one has ever seen a Yeti that can't do backflips. That's true. Um, and so we don't know what happens. Either uh, a Yeti just will, has never reached that state. You know, they're just maybe very robust. Or yeah, something. it might be where it's it's possible that that when a yeti ceases to do backflips, they just cease to exist. Right, you know, they just kind of poof away yeah. into another dimension. Uh, nobody knows, like it's Jedi, sort right. of like how nobody's ever seen a Bigfoot. Just in general, nobody's ever seen a non-backflipping yeti. Yeah, that's just true. Yeah, show me one non-backflipping yeti. Yeah, you can't, you can't, do, can't it. do it. Can't do it. So. <laughs> The proof is in the pudding. The proof is in the pudding. <laughs> so I think that's a fair question, uh, but we just don't have the data to, also, to answer it. What does it mean for the proof to be in the pudding? I 
That must be really some. No, that has to be some weird evolution of another phrase, right? Probably. Most of those kinds of phrases come from something Proof. that did make sense at one point and then slowly degenerated into something really <laughs> fucking weird. Yeah, what the hell? Why? You, you don't want anything. You don't want, you're no, pudding. pudding should be smooth, yeah. free of free should, of everything. It should neither have lies nor truth in it. It should just be fucking pudding. I mean, it, it probably came from some kind of weird dispute between two neighbors or something, and one of them was like. I got the I got the best fucking pudding recipe in the universe, <laughs> and the other name was like "fuck you." My pudding is the shit, and then they had a big cook off, right? Right. And so, and the whole neighborhood showed up, and, and they were like, "Prove it! Prove your pudding is the best!" Finally, one of them, one of them won the competition. Right. Proof was in the pudding. So it's about having to actually you can't you can't talk show about, the yeah thing. you can't talk about your pudding. You gotta you gotta make that pudding. Right. You gotta prove it. Yeah. So I guess give that pudding to the judge. That's where the it proof works is. here. Bring us a yeti that cannot. And specifically, Y-E-D-T-I. Yeah, we're not talking about Yetis. We're talking about Yetis. Yeah. Which is a different It's a different thing entirely. So, yeah. All right, next question comes from Arkarnix. Again, Arkarnix is on a roll. How did Hardik get to Wonope? Do you know? (laughs) I I do know. I had to think about it for a second, because at first I was thinking, right, it's because, well, I guess this is revealed in Talfight 2. Yes, but the and the backstory comes from the Crashlands manual, which is on our website. Oh, that's true. As well. Yep. Um... But yeah, so the backstory is there was a society of Viru on Wonope. And the Viru are the floaty head folks. And the Viru were all exiles from their society because Wonope is kind of a, like a prison planet for them. Uh, probably because the juice fluctuations in the atmosphere and everything make it very difficult for Viru to reliably uh, teleport their way off the planet. Mm-hmm. You know, they can they can jump around and stuff, but they just can't go far enough to, to get away. So they're basically trapped. So... The Viru had their own peaceful society, and then uh, these three exiled Viru well, showed no. up at the same time. These end oh, because we keep on adding. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, at the moment, it's three, but we, you know, history is is foggy. Yeah, history is foggy. I'm sure <laughs> history will somehow be rewritten. And uh, their names were Fornicranios, uh, Hugo Duco, and Pete. Mm-hmm. And they just caused a huge ruckus and they basically overthrew the government and they broke out of, of prison and they went on a rampage and they just kind of dismantled all of Viru society. It was very bad for everyone. Um, eventually, this led to Fornicranios imprisoning the Viru Joby, or Okajobi was his mm-hmm. full name, uh, in, a, in a prison maze. And Joby had managed to smuggle a wormhole crystal in his chin strap and he was hiding, he was hiding it in the maze and he, then they had just a little bit of power left in it. And he, he used his wormhole crystal to try to summon a hero, a champion to break him out of, break him out of this prison maze. Uh, but he accidentally missed because, well, again, because of the juice fluctuations. Yeah. yeah right? It's very hard to aim it with. Yeah. yeah. And so instead of summoning, you know, someone capable, he just summoned some random dude who was hanging out with his <laughs> dog in a dog park. Um, who turned out to be quite capable. Who, yeah. And so, yeah. So Joby realized, oh shit, like this, this person is not going to be able to, to swing this. And so he used the last bit of his, of his, the ba- last bit of power from his wormhole crystal to enchant uh, Hardik's monocle mm-hmm. to allow him to summon the very animals of the nature yep. and use them as projectiles. Um, so that's that's how Hardik got to Wonope. Yeah, because it is on Wonope. So when you play Tile Fight 2, you are playing on the surface of Wonope. Of Wonope. Yeah. And actually, I believe the opening scene of Tile Fight 2 is the only time in any of our games that you will see Earth. 
Oh, you mean, oh, so they're on Earth at that time? Yeah, they're in the dog park. But they're is it on, on Earth. Earth, though? Probably. Because it could be anywhere. That's true. We don't we don't actually know, but it's probable that it's <laughs> there's Earth. A, there's a decent chance. Who knows? History has yet to be yeah, written. Yeah, they may be in a space dog park. It's hard to it's hard to say. Um, <laughs> so that's how hard it got to own up. But yeah, if you want to learn more about that, go to the Crashlands Manual, which is in our lower section of our website, I believe. Probably. Probably. Or if you just do a Google search for Crashlands Manual. Yeah, you could do that, too. All right, next question comes from Tilly340. Hey, I just wanted to say that Crashlands has reminded me why I love video games and rekindled my passion for them. So what have you what have you played that made you remember why you love games or fan the flames of said love? Keep doing what you're doing. In recent yeah, what memory. Have you, what have you played where you were just like, fuck video games, and then you played it, you're like, never mind. <laughs> Actually, I don't. I don't play games that much. I'm currently on like the on more of the former end of that, where I'm just like meh, meh. You know? <laughs> but uh, I I seen it all. But but uh, I think most recently it would be Kerbal Space Program. Yes, that's the one that that I started playing. It basically Seth convinced me to go try it out, and I was like, well, I do like rockets, so like, how bad could this be? Uh, but I got really into that to yeah. that game, and it and it hits all the things that I think make it make the plat make the the I guess games as a medium really spectacular, which is, as we talked about earlier, sort of a defined systems and rule sets and some allowance for self-discovery and self-directed learning for how to work within those rules. Um, but it is particularly cool here and particularly cool for me as a person who just loves science and and that sort of thing, because it's also a simulation of real world stuff. That being orbital mechanics and aerodynamics and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. And so you get to play a game, which is actually just a simulation of you building your own space program, where you take out all the shit that sucks about that. Although they added it in in, in, in new <laughs> in new game type, the career, mode. Like career mode and whatever. Like, oh, now, now you got to now your rockets cost money, and you yeah, got to like do these do like. Yeah. contracts from the government. Yep. To, uh. So they put it back in because <laughs> apparently some people like that shit. But for me, like the, the original, the sandbox mode or, or the science mode, right? Um, actually, science mode. Science mode is Because science one. mode still has the loops so that you yep. still have to- You got to unlock your rocket unlock parts. Stuff by, but you do it just by making better rockets and getting further or discovering things. And so it kind of ties in all the things that video games do really well of, of loops and discovery and learning- but then again, couples that with real world kind of learning where sure, if you become an expert Kerbal Space Program engineer, you're not also a real engineer, right? right. But you can now but you actually, have a, a basic sense of what it what Yeah, well, you means. actually have far more than a basic understanding of, of that stuff because a lot of that, you know, they take things like orbital mechanics, which uh, at some point in college in some physics class, I remember learning about and just being like, I don't... I don't what? know how to even think about this, right? <laughs> but now you go play Kerbal Space Program. And in like and two hours, you're like, oh, yeah, I get it. Right. It, it allows it to become intuitive for you. Well, because, because you're, not, you're not just scrolling shit on a piece of paper to calculate something. You're right. actually, you know, you're playing You're mm-hmm. playing with it, right? Yeah. You get to play with the orbits and try to And you get, get to ask what happens if I go faster in a particular direction. And then you just get to see certain, it happen. Yeah, you don't have to do the calculation. And then... Yeah. And the idea, the, the beauty of that is if you were, say, uh, a young kid playing the fuck out of Kerbal Space Program, then you go to your first physics class that teaches orbital mechanics. Now, all of a sudden, you know why you're yeah, learning. You now know stuff. why. So now, when you go learn the equations and stuff and see now how the equations behave when you do things, you can just cast your mind back to how that works in Kerbal Space Program, right? And now you can mirror the equations with quote unquote real life, right? Because you've yeah. seen this in a simulation. So yeah, so it gives to me Kerbal Space Program exactly. Kerbal Space Program does. I think it takes all the best things about 
video games and then couples that with a lot of the great things about reality, right? In in a really awesome way. And about the interesting challenges of space flight yeah. and engineering. And, yeah, well, especially you know, when they added stuff like uh, in, in the final update when they actually launched, when they've actually put in real aerodynamic simulations. And stuff. overheating. And overheating. Re- heat from reentry. So, right. So now all the stuff that I'd learned spending a couple hundred hours previously playing this game uh, basically didn't work anymore. Yeah. Because now be like, oh, no problem. I'll air. just, I'll just uh, fly to Mars and back and I'll just, you know, let my capsule come into the atmosphere at 4,500 <laughs> right. kilometers a second. Nope. Not anymore. It now it's going to explode. <laughs> and uh, now, now the question is, how do I slow down on the way right. in? So you're trying to like burn, you're trying to bleed off velocity, but then you but also, without exploding. But then when you're in space, <laughs> you can't cool off very fast because so then you have to add radiative panels. And like, it does a really good job of teaching you all this stuff. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's super cool. Yeah, for uh, me, that's it. And actually, most other... That's really the only game in recent memory that, like, rekindled my my love for the medium, I would say. Because everything else to me just feels like just another of a thing that already exists. Yeah, so I'd say... I, I For me, there's a there's a, f- a few games on my list, and I've, I've talked about them in the past, but I'd say... There's kind of there's kind of a few categories because mm-hmm. I think there's a there's a few there's three things for me that really sort of jump out as as things that games can provide that other things have a really hard time doing. Right. So um, one of them is the idea of sort of strategizing and learning and sort of playing the knowledge game. Right. right. So Kerbal Space Program is one of those. Um, Eve Online is another one where the game itself is not that great, but it's just this really elaborate system or elaborate set of systems uh, that you have to learn just in order to understand how and why things are happening. And then there's other people that get in the mix that you have right. to interact with. Doing and that makes, things. Yeah, and that makes things even crazier. And so um, Eve is... It's like a stripped-down simulation of, of a real-world politics and economies. Yeah. Right. And it's just really, really interesting. And, the you know, I, I talk to people who've been playing the game since it came out in 2003... And every day they play that game, they are blown away by something that they learned. You know, it's <laughs> right. like, you can, like you can play this game for years and years and years, and it's just like the real world, right? There's always something crazy happening. We're just like, what the fuck? Yeah. I had no the idea. <laughs> the thing that I love so much about it, I, so I haven't played Eve. I just know a lot sort of tangential to it because right. it gets talked about a lot. Um, but I think the thing that I love about it in particular is is just how much it really is a simulation of of like of markets, right? Yeah. And in the same way you play Kerbal Space Program and you learn about orbital mechanics, if you play EVE, you learn about like, because markets are all fake, right? These are things that people just make up, even in real life. Yep. And now you can go see an actually fake market and see how it works. And there are people manipulating those markets in the game. Like the, the game is flexible and free enough that unlike something like say Diablo 3, where they try to keep a tight control over the economy and, and exchange rates and all that kind of stuff. Yep. Here, they're just like, do whatever you whatever want. Whatever happens, happens. Luck, right? <laughs> And, uh, and the, and there are all these questions of how do you make a system that allows for that? That doesn't then just end up with infinite inflation or whatever. And the game is built in such a way that it sort of self-corrects in a lot of ways because it's built the same way the real world is with all these limits on how much resources there are and that sort of thing. And things can be destroyed. So, you know, people will make a billion isk, which is a dollar, right? It's like a billion dollar ship, not real world dollars, but right. <laughs> something very expensive. They, they spend an enormous amount of time and effort to accumulate the resources to make. And that thing can get, just get destroyed. Yeah. All those resources are yeah. now gone. Well, it's, it's interesting because sometimes some people think of the game as a pay to win game. 
right. in the sense that you can spend real world cash to buy a thing that you can sell in the game to another player for, you know, about something like 1.2 billion isk or something. Right. Um, which is a lot. There's a lot of in-game cash. If you want to get one of those huge ships, it'll take you probably something like, you know, 30 to 100 billion isk, which means you're spending, you know, potentially hundreds and hundreds of dollars of real-world cash. So the kicker is... Or the equivalent of, anyway. Yeah, so the kicker is, you know, you could you could come into the game, play for a while, um, and then drop that kind of cash on getting one of these mega ships. But because you don't know anything... You're mm-hmm. going to make a stupid mistake almost immediately yep. and people are going to pounce on it and explode <laughs> it, right? So you can't just have a good ship and win. Um, and actually, I just saw a video the other day where one with this one guy, uh, he got attacked. He was in a, just a fairly standard, regular, not very powerful ship. He got attacked by eight people at once, some of which were in ships way bigger than his and way better, but they were all brand new players. Right. And he just trounced him. <laughs> like, he shouldn't have. He absolutely should not have. But because yeah. he knew more, he just, he, there was no contest. Yeah. Um, so it's really interesting. It's just a really interesting game. Um, so that's kind of like on the knowledge end of the spectrum. Um, then there's, I think there's games that just have this ludicrous fun factor to them. Yeah. So to me, Rocket League, yeah, Rocket League is, is one of those. Definitely. For me, anything where I can just go really fast, basically. <laughs> yeah, Tribes. Like, yeah, Tribes Ascend and yeah, Rocket so League. so good. Yeah. Um, yeah, because in Tribes Ascend, like, yeah, okay, you can go play a flag, like Capture the Flag game. Like World of Warcraft has Capture the Flag, right? Yep. But it's nothing like Tribes Ascend. Nope. In Tribes Ascend, you can get going 350 kilometers an hour mm-hmm. as a person and then... <laughs> And with a gun, right? And then you zoom by and pick up the flag. And the thing is, like, other people can go that fast, too. And you can go mm-hmm. that fast backwards, right? Yep. So, so like, you're slinging projectiles. Yeah, like, you'll, you'll pick up the flag, and you're, like, weaving around and, like, going up and down hills and flying through the air. And then you will you can turn around with the flag, and you'll see other people going just as fast as you are, trying to catch you, shooting at you, and you're shooting at them while going backwards, <laughs> And they play dubstep when you pick up the flag. Right. I mean, it's just, uh, it's just crazy. It's a good moment. Yeah, and it's always super fun. Unfortunately, that game died uh, because of its monetization, which is another mm-hmm. conversation. But yep. um, oh, I mean, it does still exist. You're just gonna have trouble. There's like eight people playing. Yeah, you're gonna, and they're you're really, gonna have trouble really good. It. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I should also say the game's matchmaking caused some some issues as well. But yeah, um, it was a, it was a combination. But if you've got of, a bunch of friends you can play with and can play a private match. Oh yeah, it's real good, super fun. Oh uh, yeah, so so Rocket League and Tribes are sort of the high speed, super fun, just ridiculous kinds of games. Um, and then I think there's games that provide just this uh, sense of of wonder. We're just like fuck, this is crazy. <laughs> um, and I think World of Warcraft is one of those. Uh, much more so back in in the older in the older days when this kind of yeah. when this kind of a scale of a game was just unheard of. I guess it doesn't really do things that because back then when it came out, it was truly amazing as a technical achievement and all those yeah. kinds of things, right? Uh, is it true today that when they launch a new uh, expansion, yeah, is it really just like more of the same with improve like sort of like the incremental process we always see? And basically, I, I th- I'd say they still do things that most other. Uh, studios have not yet been able to replicate. And right. the big one is the, the no loading times between zones concept ah. where you can like, you can, you can see another zone and you just walk straight 
through, right? You just like, you walk to it and it's just right. continuous. And even something like Guild Wars 2 has these portals in between zones, you know? Right. Um, and so like their goal with, with making World of Warcraft was they wanted it to feel like a place. And so the only time you have a loading screen is if, say, like you hop on a boat and that boat goes across the ocean. You know, like you that's when you actually see, wait. Yeah, like where you would normally normally take you a month or something. Like that's when you <laughs> see a loading screen. Right. And otherwise, it's just totally continuous. And you can, you have flying mount, you know, so you can like hop on a, a helicopter or a rocket or something and you can just fly straight up in the sky and you can scan the horizon. You can see, you know, miles and miles around. Um, and so I haven't seen anybody pull that off and I've, right. I still have no clue how they do it. I, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, so those are, those yeah. are my, those are my five, it's pretty good. My list. five games. So yeah, if you haven't played any of those, uh, you should, you should check them out. And this, I mean, the steam sale is still on. I mean, there's, yeah, it doesn't so, have, it doesn't help for World of Warcraft, obviously, but yeah, but for and everything else, I think now. Eve is free, but you can get it on steam. But rocket league is on steam and on sale and on sale. And so. tribes, I guess tribes, tribes is, is free. also free, isn't it? Yeah. Look at this. What, all these free games on this list. Kerbal Space Program is probably on sale. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, get, get I these games. I think Kerbal Space Program is always on sale. Yeah, get these games and play them. Um, all right, so I think that's all the time we have. We kind of went went over a little bit. Um, but uh, thank you all for listening. And once again, thank you all for just being here for us as a studio. It's been a, been a hell of a year. It's been a year. And we're looking forward to whatever comes next. Yeah, so happy new year. Go to uh, hopefully 2017 is... Just as good for us as a studio, but much better for the world Just as for a the whole. World. <laughs> uh, um, and yeah, go to net to ask us some more questions and listen to the rest of the podcast. You can subscribe to us anywhere. We'd love it if you would leave some comments and reviews and stuff. And if you would like to tell us why you're listening, which we would really, truly love to know, honestly, uh, go to on the podcast page, you'll find a link or go to bit.ly slash W-H-Y-C-W-B. <laughs> which is why coffee with butterscotch. But but the, the, but coffee, but the with coffee butterscotch, because it's a really long word. Just go to so podcast.bscotch.net. You'll find that, that may be easier. All right, well, see you next year. Goodbye. Peace. Peace.